his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Prostitution should be legal. Can we just get over it already? It happens all the time. It's legal in some parts of the United States, i.e. Nevada, in some areas. Um, This needs to be a regulated industry because what happens between two consulting adults is up to them. The reason I bring this up and I offer my opinion on that, which is, again, worth what you paid for it, is because uh, three have been charged, three people have been charged with operating a high-end brothel network in Virginia. This is according to the DOJ. Now, I'm not saying that our politicians were involved, but this was in Virginia, outside of, you know, uh, Washington, D.C., Fairfax, Virginia, happening in luxury apartments. And people were getting paid a lot of money and paying a lot of money for sex. And now the DOJ has arrested a bunch of people, including, I believe, some people that were involved, like women. Uh, The DOJ is saying, and I don't have names on this, but the clients included politicians, high-tech pharmaceutical executives, doctors, military officers, government contractors, people who have high security clearance. And of course, they're worried that maybe these people are sharing national secrets with these hookers. And I say hookers with all due respect. I mean, that's a, that could be a job title. At this point, friends, David's laughing at me. At this point, can we just legalize prostitution, regulate the industry, get the sex workers, the contract, unionize the sex workers, get them some contracts, get them paid fairly, uh, get them health screenings, keep everything on the up and up. So people are safe, make sure they are not trafficked people. They would have to be signing consent forms and having, you know, mental uh, status, you know, check-ins, make sure that they're doing everything that they are consenting. And then um, people can go visit them if they want. And maybe the stigma will be taken out of prostitution, the world's oldest profession. I think prostitution should be legal. What say you? Six five one four six one nine two two six. I know David is shaking his head at me. Uh, do you not agree? I. You know, it's interesting. I ten years ago in my life, I would have said absolutely not. Like that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. No, that's not a thing that should be legal. Um, I have visited 
Amsterdam, and we did a tour of some of the areas there, which included the red light district. And there was mm-hmm. a lot of information about how they have legalized prostitution in parts of not all of uh, the, the Netherlands, but in parts of Amsterdam, and how they have done tried to do at least exactly what you're saying, where they try to mm-hmm. uh, give these sex workers a living wage and some protection and it's not this like seedy violent thing it's a well um organized business and um that is a very compelling argument because this work is like you said it's the it's the oldest profession in time and it's been happening for millennia and prostitution is going to keep happening whether we legalize it or not so that's a very compelling argument i also think that Making legislation based on, oh, well, people are already doing it. I guess we should just legalize it and monetize it is fundamentally the wrong way to do it. And we've had this conversation about legalizing marijuana. And a lot of the arguments for those who wanted to legalize it were that it's already happening and we're missing our cut of the money. As a, as a state, as a you know, as a community, the money's all going to the black market instead of us. And I think that's mm-hmm. just the wrong way to make that decision with marijuana or with prostitution that we should be a society that stands up for what is right because there are some things that are illegal that are just wrong like there are some drugs that we should not do there are some activities some criminal activities that like prostitution that are going to keep happening right like yeah um mm-hmm. so i think I mean, isn't that what we did with weed Okay, it's happening. Everybody's smoking. Everybody's taking gummies. I know, but you could just carry that on to then cocaine. Well, everyone, you know, cocaine's not going away. The industry's happening. Let's just legalize it. And on and on and on with, you know, any illegal activity that's happening. Well, money laundering is just happening. People hide their money and launder it. So let's just make that legal too and Mm -hmm. legislate it. And I just think that's the wrong way. I think um, as a society, we should stand up, even if it's a losing battle, we should stand up for the morality of the issue, not just cave to, well, it's already happening. I guess we should tax it and get our cut. I think that's the wrong way to think about it. I, I hear you on that. I think it's very hard to legislate morality. So I because what I believe is moral may not be what somebody else believes is moral. And um, I think the argument of, well, it's happening all anyway, so let's just legalize it. I, I don't believe that that is the, that's not the hill that I would die on. I get that maybe some people would say, eh, whatever. That, that is not why I would want to legalize prostitution. I think decriminalization of prostitution would improve the, sell, the safety and the security of sex workers, Okay. Uh, sex workers experience lots of violence, lots of abuse, exploitation, trafficking. You know, some don't want to be sex workers. Those people shouldn't obviously should be saved from uh, a horrific existence. But there may be people that want to have this as a business, who want to have sex for money. And I believe those people need to be protected. Clearly, there's a market for it. And those people need to be protected. They should have a union. They should have health and dental and, you know, and and pay taxes. And I think that if we legalized it, it would allow for some regulation of prostitution, which could help reduce the risks of those engaging in this behavior. It, It would also help reduce the risks of those buying this behavior. And, David, I hear you on the morality. Some people 
think that prostitution is wrong, that all of the sex workers are not there because they want to be, are trafficked people. And I'm not saying there is not that. But I do believe that legalization not only would improve the status of the sex workers, would regulate it, um, at some point it would also reduce the stigma. Uh, you know, I mentioned it's the oldest the oldest job in the, you know to ever exist it probably is you know that's that's what they say about prostitution the oldest profession and there's always been a market for this there always will be i think it's time to protect the sex workers 6514619226 but david i hear you on your uh that you don't love it and and a lot of people don't agree with me jordana you're just wrong on the prostitution issue May as well legalize it. God is going to wipe us out anyway. I know the world is burning, friends. I know it does seem really crazy. Uh, Some of your texts say this, Jordana, it's not just the money. It's making the industry safe by legalizing marijuana. You control what goes in by legalizing prostitution. You make it safe for the workers and the clients. Oh, see, somebody agrees with me. Say, there you go. Okay. Um, That's, for me, that's it. It's, it's, we're never going to get rid of it. There's always going to be a market for this. Uh, let's see. Might as well agree. Might as well. There's no morals left in this world. I hear you. I, the world does seem to be burning around. Okay. Us. But there is like, there is morals in this world. And as we're having this conversation, like we are all assuming that you're talking about mm-hmm. prostitution for consenting adults that are 18 years mm-hmm. of age or older. And right. we have a society has de- have decided that it's not okay for people under 18 and it's okay for people over 18. That's a moral stance that our society is strong in, mm-hmm. right? Um, okay, that's fair. Absolutely. So, so, we, so, so we do have morality. And, you know, you could imagine a society or at other times in history and other places in the world, that's not the case. And the age is 13 or 15, and we mm-hmm. shake our fists at that and say, that's not mm-hmm. okay, but we've set the age three years higher and we're okay with this. And mm-hmm. uh, so I think there is a, I think there is morality that can be legislated and that a, a collective of our, our community in the U S can hold. And uh, to but me, you're saying you don't want it to be legal for even those over 18. No, because I, I mm-hmm. um, un, unless like, I guess if, if a majority of Americans came together and said, yes, we think that this is a good idea for America, that we should be able to purchase sex, if if that's what really the majority of Americans want and we all voted for that, great. I, I still don't think that's the case. I still think that most people in America would say that prostitution, even for those you know of age and consenting, is not a morally okay thing we want as part of our society. Maybe I'm wrong, but hmm. – well, maybe it would take some of the the sexiness out of it. Some One of the texters says this. No, it would encourage young women to be prostitutes, oh, rather than become a waitress, which doesn't pay as well. But this texter says, I think the men who use prostitutes wouldn't like legalization. The forbidden adds the thrill for them. Wow. You know, I have no reference for that. I have no idea. I, 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 um, I don't know anything about that. I know people like to go to strip clubs. I understand that that's not going as far as maybe actually having intercourse with somebody, but I'm, I imagine that goes on a little bit uh, at strip clubs. Strip clubs are, le- are legal. But I think at, we're at this point in our country that prostitution should become a regulated industry to protect the people 
that are the sex workers, and that is women and men. This texture says, Julie here from uh, Rice County. Jordana, I can't agree with you. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I couldn't agree with you more. Oh, Julie, there you go. Got to make sure I read these texts properly. Well, I thought I was reading one that didn't agree with me. Um, Julie says, I believe that prostitution should be legal and managed and unionized. Um, yes, that's oh, okay. Legalize it. Wow. I am, I am so surprised that some people are agreeing with me. I thought for sure everybody was going to call me, uh, <laughs> you know, bad names. Um, but I just think, and I am not saying there won't be people that fall through the cracks, that won't be people that are trafficked as they are now. But I do believe that there is a way to do this. And David, you mentioned in Amsterdam, they do this in Amsterdam. We do this in Las Vegas, um, that it should be more, more, it should be regulated because it is not regulated at all now. Um, and whether or not the men are, think that's sexy enough because it's forbidden now and it won't be too bad. Those, whatever. If you're doing something because it's forbidden, you're a little weird anyway. Go have an affair, that kind of thing. But um, I don't know. Sex with prostitutes is gross. That's what this texter says. Okay. I've never had a sex. I've never had sex with a prostitute, so I'm not really sure. Hey, Jordana, I agree with you 100%. I'm female and 75 years old. Okay. Jor, yes, prostitution is centuries old. However, because women have been suppressed throughout history, oftentimes prostitution was the only way uh, women who were left alone with children could make money. Uh, They could feed themselves and their children. Now women have many opportunities to make a living without having to degrade themselves and sell their bodies. It's not only about morals. It's about dignity and self-esteem. And I I hear you. But maybe... Somebody doesn't have that same moral that says, you know what, sex is a commodity and sex is something that I can offer to, uh, you know, feed my kids or pay my way through college and they are not as attached to it. You know, we as a society have put this stigma on sex as something that is holy or something that is, you know, between two loving people instead of just a transaction. And, And folks, I don't look at it that way. Sex is holy to me. Sex is important to me. I, I, you know, only have sex with my husband and I love him and that's the way it is. And I plan to do that forever. But I don't pretend to judge somebody else if they're in a situation and I don't want them in harm's way either. So I think legalization and regulation is the way to go. I am really late for the break. I see that your texts are pouring in. Let's continue this conversation. And feel free to call me, 651-641-9226. Next. I think prostitution should be legal. Reason, of course, is uh, there's a news story today um, about this prostitution ring with high, it's a high-end brothel uh, network in Virginia. The DOJ has charged three people, sort of like the pimps, the <laughs> I guess you would call them the organizers of the ring. But the DOJ is, they're not naming names, but they're saying the clients were politicians, high-tech pharmaceutical executives, doctors, military officers, government contractors, with security clearance, professors, lawyers, scientists, and accountants. And you know what? As I was reading this article, I thought, oh my God. First of all, I can't believe these people are going to prostitutes. So if they are, maybe I just don't understand. That's not something for me. It's not something for me. But I don't want to judge too harshly because if they are, clearly there is a market for high-end prostitutes or, I'm sorry, there's a market for prostitution. 
as there always has been since the dawn of men and women, I imagine. And let's regulate it. Let's protect the sex workers. Yes, many of them are trafficked. Yes, many of them don't want to be there. But there are some that make this choice to be a sex worker. And let's protect them. I'm, let's create some tax revenue for them. Let's create a union for them. Let's make sure they get dental care and health benefits. They are clearly providing a service that maybe I won't use or you won't use, but people are using it. And right now, there is no protection for these people. We can't rely on pimps or sex ring, you know, uh, mafia bosses to protect these folks. So let's do it. Am I nuts? Many of you say yes. But some, I'm really surprised, folks. Some of you are saying, no, 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 sure. It's okay. I, I think you're right. Getting rid of, this texture says, getting rid of human trafficking would be greatly impacted by legal prostitution. Right. And if we can get rid of human trafficking or cut it down, nothing's ever perfect. There's no perfect solution. I agree. I think that that would be a step in the right direction. Kristen is in Vadnais Heights. Am I nuts, Kristen? Absolutely not, George. This this whole topic makes me so ugh, crazy because, you know, first of all, in my opinion, it's another way of people trying to control other people's bodies, especially women. Number one. Number two, it's not always a degrading experience. And I'm, I'm just going to talk about women because I'm a woman, but mm-hmm. it's not always a degrading experience. You know, there are a lot of women that feel very empowered when they are able to, you know, make their own money, choose their clients, choose what they will or will not do. And I think that so for people to look at it as degrading is just kind of a, a social um, kind of a, what would you call it? A, a social way of looking down upon it. But mm-hmm. the, other, I, the other thing is that it also will provide a line. So there will be protections, not just for the workers, but for children, for women that do not want to be trafficked. So now you have that line where a person can say, yes, I'm a grown woman or a grown man. This is my choice. And everybody mm-hmm. else on the other side there is like, okay, well, we, we don't have to wonder one way or the other. These, these are people that should not be in this position, and we're going to try to help them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, Kristen, I am, thank you for this thoughtful um, call. I really thought I was going to get just crucified on this issue. <laughs> I thought for sure everyone was going to be like, Jor, you're a whore. Absolutely not. I'm surprised this is so well thought out by so many of our textures and for you. And um, I, you know, this is such an interesting that, conversation. I've, and I have had conversations. My kids are 32, 27, and my son is 20. And we have had this conversation because, you know, looking down on people for any reason right. isn't okay. But especially when it's something like this, where this has helped some people choose to make their money. And they, you know, it, it just, that's how it is. But the people that don't choose it, the people that are, let's say, pimped out or right. are, are slaves to it, mm-hmm. need help. They need to be able to get yes. out. And there are women yes. that are doing it on their own that want to help mm-hmm. those that don't want to do it, too. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's an empowerment. Kristen, thank, you so, thank you so much for calling me. I really, and thanks for listening, Kristen. Appreciate you. All right. Talk to you later. Have an awesome weekend, girlfriend. 
wow, I really went into this thinking everyone's totally think going to think I'm off my rocker. And some of you do. Absolutely. Some of you do. And that's okay. That's okay, too. But uh, learn something today. Let's take a break. When we get back, I am going to speak with a lieutenant colonel in the IDF, uh, originally in special forces, now in the tactical hostage negotiation and crisis management in the IDF. He is currently sitting outside of Gaza waiting to get called in. I want to talk about this humanitarian corridor and the hostages next. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Israel has agreed to four-hour daily humanitarian pauses in the fighting in Gaza. Uh, The pauses began yesterday in northern Gaza, according to the White House, which said Israel will announce each four-hour window at least three hours in advance to allow civilians to flee uh, from its military military assault on Hamas. Um, In a rare criticism, President Biden, who, in my opinion, and it's worth what you paid for it, has been very strong on Israel, um, has said all the right things and has shown support. Uh, But President Biden had told reporters that the pauses could have come sooner. Uh, Joining us now is A. A is a lieutenant colonel original in the IDF, uh, original originally in special forces and now in the tactical hostage negotiation and crisis management of the IDF. He is in reserve service. Um, He also works for a company that's headquartered in Eden Prairie called Stratasys. He's based in Israel. He is Israeli. And he is part of the negotiation tactical team because he's fluent in Arabic. He is also on the counterterrorism desk at Reichman University. Um, A is currently stationed right outside of Gaza, waiting if he needs to be called in. He's joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. A, I am so happy to have you on the air with me today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So just briefly, before we get to the hostages or the humanitarian pause, briefly explain your situation. I understand the need for security, but can you tell us where you are, how far you are from Gaza, and what your everyday is like? Um, we are post, post, we are situated uh, just a few miles away from Gaza, just north of the road in a small uh, a community, a village, you may say. And we are called upon our tasks, and our tasks are mainly humanitarian, or if we have hostage situations, uh, which we hadn't had yet since the first day, since October 7, when we arrived uh, uh, to, the, to the scenes, both in Be'eri and Ofakim 
where we released uh, two, successfully released uh, two female hostages uh, at the first day. Since then, we didn't have another hostage situation, so we are doing humanitarian things like uh, like what like those corridors that you have described. Mm-hmm. So you're helping in that effort, helping create oh, yes, those humanitarian corridors. Oh yes, of course. I'm personally uh, 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 calling them, and with my own voice, voice, and we are uh, uh, using uh, big mics in order, uh, big uh, uh, speak louder, in order to make them leave their houses and go south. We give them the instructions how to do that, and uh, it's not from yesterday, and it's actually almost since the beginning of the fight, 30 days ago, or or beforehand, and we add to it also we are uh, throwing from the air uh, messages, uh, flyers to the to the Gazans and instructing them to leave because we don't fight the civilians uh, unlike the other party. A, explain that to me because we're hearing from the White House that the humanitarian corridor was just opened yesterday, but you're saying there have been efforts ongoing. Talk to us about the leaflets and the phone calls that you have been making to Gazans. Uh, phone calls, leaflets, and vocal instructions to those who doesn't get it or didn't hear it or anything like that. We're doing it, doing it since the beginning of the the aerial maneuver and forehands. So I don't know what the White House, House knows, but I guess they know better than what they just said to the to the newspapers uh, in the U.S. But we are doing it, and I personally involved in it uh, for for weeks now. So it's ridiculous. When you call people, what do you say? Uh, we instruct them to leave home, to go south. We tell them that in the south they have, uh, uh, they ha- in which way to use when they go south, because we have two routes, one next to the beach and the other uh, ne- uh, in- more internal to, to the land side. And we tell them where to go, to which direction, to carry with them something white so we know that they are civilians and they are safe. And literally, in some cases, we have to defend them from the Hamas people who try to keep them in place because they use them as human shields. So, yes, we are calling them, we are talking to them, we are trying to prevent uh, what, we, what you call collateral damage. I understand what Americans call collateral damage. Yes, I, I understand that. So this has been going on, you're saying, since the beginning of uh, this, yep. this uh, the defense against the Hamas attack. I was just seeing yesterday that, you know, 10,000 people are still fleeing northern Gaza. Why have they not listened? If the Israelis have been dropping the leaflets and calling them, why have they not left their homes before now? Oh, some of them never believed that Israel will be so strong in in its uh, attacks. Some of them uh, uh, thought that if they, if they live next to a hospital or next to uh, a UNRWA uh, 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 post or school or something, they are safe because this was in the past. This was the situation. But today Israel treats it a bit different, and it took them time to understand this is the situation. And they left the houses. Uh, others just were kept home by the Hamas, who put pressure on the local population not to leave south because they wanted to use them as human shields. If they go south, are there safe places for them? We hear that, you know, Israel is bombing the south also, but is that safer than the north? And can they get food and water and fuel in the south? Fuel, no, but food and water and uh, yes and and medical supply yes uh, this is the situation now and from the south uh, there will be also in the future in the near future uh, there will be corridors or uh, ways to go out 
of Gaza to uh, ships from Europe that will be medical uh, hospital, hospitals or what we call uh, hospital ships. And there is one uh, hospital that is being built and prepared now in Egypt, in uh, Rafah, uh, just next to the border or with Gaza. And uh, yes, uh, we are looking after the, the humanitarian situation because we know it will take a long, long time. It will take months until uh, we, will, uh, we will finish with the Hamas, we will finish this work, which we have to do. Is Israel helping with that, with the hospitals that are floating uh, from the European ships and the one that's built after the Rafah crossing? Yes, we are. And we will also be helpful. We will also supply them. You know, when a ship comes over, it will need uh, uh, fluent supply of medical aid and medical uh, equipment and so on and so forth. Electricity, food, water, all these things will be supplied by Israel. And we are uh, ensuring that those that are in Egypt will take it from Egypt, of course, but uh, all the European ships, the French ship that uh, they are talking that is going to come over, a Turkish one and so on and so forth. Israel will uh, gladly supply uh, everything as long as Hamas uh, soldiers are not going there. And we are going to verify it or try to verify and get to an agreement uh, with those who are doing it that uh, that uh, the Hamas people will not be treated on those ships. We need to finish the work with them. They are worse than Nazis. I'm speaking with A, Lieutenant Colonel, originally uh, in Special Forces, now in Tactical Hostage Negotiation and Crisis Management at the IDF, currently stationed right outside of Gaza, trying to get people to leave uh, in communication with Gazans every day to get them to safety. A, um, what do we know about the hostages? We heard that in America, at least we heard that maybe these humanitarian corridors would lead to the release of more hostages. What, what's the latest on the hostages? I cannot disclose everything I know, but I can tell you uh, a couple of things. First of all, not all of them are held by the Hamas. The Hamas, we think, holds more than 50% of them, of the 240. Some of them are dead, so it's bodies, but we don't know exactly who is dead and who is alive, who is injured, and what is his or her situation. Uh, The others, another part is being held by the jihad, Islamic jihad, and uh, some are being held by hamulas, by, by, by civilians that think that they have, you know, some sort of a, of, an, of a negotiation card or something they can play with and get money for or something or, or a safe exile, uh, exit out of Gaza. So uh, they look at it as an asset that can, they can trade for their freedom or something like that. So this is, uh, these are three different groups that we deal with. And uh, the Hamas wants to take over everything, or most of them, not those that the jihad holds, which means that they need the time for it. And this is why they desperately ask for um, for a, a ceasefire. So they will have ability, the ability to, to look, to search for them and get them. So um, um, this is number one. Number two, yes, we, there are talks about it. But, you know, when they say, uh, well, we will release only foreigners or we will release only that, uh, we do not agree to that. I mean, uh, uh, if you're talking humanitarian, uh, Jews are the same as others and not uh, only foreign uh, citizens or foreign uh, people that have foreign identity uh, would be uh, would be taken out. We want uh, if you are talking about women and children, all of them should go out. We are not going to give it, uh, you know, to give them the time and make a small deal and un- another small deal and another small deal. This will be a mistake. And uh, what we are trying to do is to put enough pressure on the one hand and to give uh, the option 
for a big deal. On the other hand, hopefully, so we will be able to release a significant number of the hostages and then to continue. In any case, we are not going to stop until the Hamas is being demolished. This is something that Israel cannot afford. We cannot afford another uh, attack like this in 10, in 20, in 60, in 70 years from now. The Hamas has to go down. What can you tell Americans uh, about the war? I feel like we are getting so much misinformation. There are so many shockingly pro-Hamas protests here, you know, people chanting from the river to the sea, which calls for the annihilation of Israel. What do Americans need to know about the war that we may not know? The only thing that I will tell Americans that should look at the mirror and or ask the people that are chanting that or people that are, 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 are you know, in favor of the Hamas and are going to the streets uh, crying for the Palestinians, the poor Palestinians and everything, I just want to remind them a couple of things. A, they were chanting at September 11 and celebrating in the streets at September 11. So it's not only us, it's also you. B, and this is maybe more important, please ask them, where were they when, when Assad, for example, killed 800,000 uh, Muslims in Syria in, in the last years? Were they protesting also? Were they out there in the streets shouting and screaming? Are they worried about, and they killed, he killed also Palestinians. Where were they when Daesh uh, did what he did? I mean, all those things are happening and they were not saying anything. So either, either they are racists because they expect other things from Jews than they expect from Muslims, or worse than that, they're anti-Semite because they only uh, chant it or say it because we, the Jews are doing it. So uh, what can I tell you? Do you feel safe, A, where you are? Yes, I feel safe. I'm more worried about my kid. He's also in the military now, and uh, and he will go in soon. Uh, you know, when I go in, I'm afraid. It's not a game. Uh, it's, uh, people are shooting and people are killed here. Uh, but this is something that we have to do because I don't want my kids and my grandkids and their grandkids to grow up when mon monsters like the Hamas are next door. We have to understand this is a simple war between the Western civilization and the, and the, and the barbaric, yeah, I don't know, 7th century civilization that the Muslims are trying to, to bring up again. And this is exactly the, 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 the war. And we are the head of the spear here in the Middle East. And if we are gone, the next place will be Europe and the next place will be the U.S. What do you think? They love Americans? What do you think? What will happen next if we are not here to take all the, the, this, this energy against us? Who will take it? Remember September 11. It will be a joke for the next thing that will happen in the United States. For them, it's a success. A, I want to thank you for fighting this war on terror. I pray for you to be safe and your family and our whole family uh, that fights against terror. I hope we can communicate with you again. Thank you so much for your time. No worries at all. I have warm feeling, feelings about uh, Minnesota. I spent a lot of time there, and I even changed my life there due to your lousy weather. And it was funny yeah. to meet and hear the, 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 the traffic and, and the weather. <laughs> you know, it was like deja vu for me. Very funny. Well, we look forward to again when you can visit your extended family in St. Paul. And I hope to get to buy you a drink when you come and visit. For sure. But I pay. I'm an old school guy. 
Uh, thank you, my friend. <laughs> no worries. Thank you. We'll call again. I appreciate it. Um, again, A is a lieutenant colonel originally in special forces, now in tactical hostage negotiation and crisis management for the IDF. He's in the reserve unit. He making calls to Palestinians to get them to safety and uh, awaiting maybe even if he has to go in. We'll be right back. That's a good question, David. Is it a nudge or a nudge? Yeah. Like in Yiddish, in Yiddish, we would say, oh, he's such a nudge. Like you're, you're a nudge, you're annoying. Like that's how I, you know, like, oh, you don't be such a nudge. It's more Yiddish, but a nudge would, I guess that's a, an English word, a nudge. Yeah, so it's a nudge to call Matt Gutman, but I'm being a nudge about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's funny that you noticed that. I appreciate that. Um, And thank you for listening to that interview. Um, I will definitely post it on my Instagram and David will get up the podcast. Uh, David, we have, you know, 15 seconds, but what you got coming up for us in quick takes? Uh, Well, it's Veterans Day. We'll talk a little bit about that. Also a big weekend of events in the Twin Cities. We'll talk about both those coming up in quick takes. I can't wait. Let's take a break. The news and then we will be back with quick takes. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.